The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Revelation chapter 12. Find verse 10. I'm going to read from the New International Version this evening. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And the key verse for this series, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Let's read verse 11 one more time with all your heart. You ready? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. We do have notes for you tonight. And uh, last week, we started, uh, started a series called The Overcomer. I've been doing a series for months on the Holy Ghost. In fact, we called it Holy Ghost Come, and what a great series that it was. And we just might reopen that as God leads us. But I felt very strongly impressed by the Holy Spirit to bring you a message on how to overcome. And we talked about the blood of Jesus last week, and we want to talk about the word of our testimony tonight. I am fascinated by Jesus' use of Scripture and I'm fascinated by it. You know what we should do? Let me just review for a moment because the blood's worth reviewing. There's no victory. You can't overcome. Jack, you can't do anything without the blood. And the blood and songs for a bygone era aren't sung too often anymore. But it's the blood that, that washes away your sin. It's not any good works that you have that you might boast. It's the grace of God by the blood of Jesus. Redemption, as it played out in the history of the earth and mankind, began in intercession in the Garden of, Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying and His virgin blood, sweat, like sweat, dripped to the ground as He prayed. That's when the weight of the sin of the world began to be placed upon him. Because if it's, a, if it's a blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. It's the blood that cleanses us from sin and began to be shed in intercession first and then carried all the way through to the cross. And of course, by his stripes were healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. Does anybody have peace tonight? Peace. Peace of God. And so we talked about the blood. And without the blood, you're never going to overcome. You're never going to be able to conquer. You're never going to get, you can't get saved without the blood. You have to have the blood of Jesus. And we talked about the sacrificial system. And we talked about why Jesus needed to die. And we talked about the blood of the Lamb. And what we're reading here in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 is like the, 
the, the, the report after the big game has been won. So as we read this, we find out how they were able to hurl down the accuser of the brethren, the fiery dragon, the formidable foe, as we talked about, how they're able to overcome the devil and his minions. And he gives a prescription, he gives a, a rubric or a framework by which we can overcome and walk in victory. The first part of that was last week, we overcome by the blood. The second part of overcoming is by the word of our testimony. Now let's get into it. Jesus' use of Scripture is amazing. You know, he didn't have a New Testament. <laughs> His Bible was the Old Testament. And he quoted it verbatim on a regular basis. And he, he said things like in John 6, 63, pardon me, Jesus said, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. He saw his own words as having power. Everybody say, Jesus' words have power. Yeah, Jesus' words have power. He said in Matthew chapter 5, which is really him exalting his word even above the Old Testament, if you will. Watch this. Some of you think I just was a heretic. Matthew 5. He said, you have heard it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman, lust in his heart has already committed it. He's basically saying, the Old Testament says this. Here's what I'm telling you. There's a new standard. And it's kind of amazing. Come on, Jesus' words had power. And he defines us in Scripture as overcomers. You know, I think that we have forgotten about the power of the word in the church some people keep their Bibles on the back tank of the toilet. And, and are you saying that's wrong? Has anybody ever been to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah? You ever, have, you ever seen a, have you ever seen a Jew or a rabbi handle the Torah? Have you ever seen that? Has, has anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean serious honor. As the scrolls are brought in or as they're opened, it's a major deal. Most of us have six or seven, eight or ten Bibles in our own house. And we'll throw them on the ground. And I, I don't think that we should worship the actual pages in the book. But it is a significant manuscript. And it is the most important, number one best-selling book in the all, entire history. It was the first book. It's the first one off of Gutenberg's printing press. It's still number one. I don't care what the New York Times says. The number one selling book of all time and always will be. It's always number one every year. It's the Bible. Yeah, it's not the Koran. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. And so Jesus, in, in the Word of God, really calls us overcomers. He, he writes to John, he talks to John and he, in the letters to the, to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, I will give right to the tree of life, he who overcomes, he who overcomes. Jesus defined you, defined me as an overcomer. You're not some scrub that should go sit in the backyard and eat dirt, you're a winner. Come on, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You are an overcomer. Make it personal. I am an overcomer. And that's really how God defines you. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, what a loser. He, look at, he looks at you and he sees his blood. He sees you're washed. He sees his child adopted, grafted in. 
And if we look at this, as we look at this text, how is it that they're able to hurl down, I like that word, hurl, hurl down the accuser, we understand by the blood, how are they able to overcome him by the word of their testimony? Why would it be, it's sort of a strange way to say it. Listen, if you can, if you can concentrate for the next 25 minutes while I'm preaching, I'm telling you right now, it's going to straight change your life. Bump the person next to you, wake them up and say, it's going to change your life tonight. Listen up. Why would, why would it say by the word of your testimony? Why wouldn't it just say testimony? Because a testimony can be without words, right? Peter said, 1 Peter 3, talking to wives whose husbands are not saved. He says that you can win your husband through your godly conduct. Doesn't talk anything about preaching. Doesn't talk, and it's kind of unusual because he's talking to women. Come on, somebody say amen. He said, don't use your words here. You can... I'm going to preach over here for a second. That your actions, your conduct can be louder than your words. And some folks think they're the fourth part of the Trinity. So they just want to tell everybody what you should be doing, what you should be wearing. You know, men are funny. I just want to say for a second, the second you tell them what to do, that's exactly what they don't want to do. They thrive on respect and honor. They just stand up strong. You tell them how stupid he is, whatever, he's going to go fix the neighbor's screen and not yours. But there is, there is a testimony that comes without words. It's your actions. St. Augustine, the great, the great Catholic priest and monk, said this. The best sermon preached is the, one, is the one lived. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because you do have to use your words, too. And I've got lots of testimonies. All kinds of Christians in my life, my life before I got saved, I could tell they were Christian by their conduct, but I would to God, they would have told me about Jesus. They lived it, and I look back, I go, that was a Christian. Wonder why he didn't tell me. He lived it, but I never heard the, I never heard the gospel, never heard the good news. And so why, why would part of the recipe, the framework, the rubric for overcoming and conquering for being more than a conqueror, why would it be the blood we understand? Why is it the word of your testimony? That's a fascinating thing to think about. Because that, that word right there, the word of your testimony, doesn't just mean testimony. It means your testimony spoken. Somebody say, whoa. Here is, we see the importance of speech. James talks about the tongue has the power of life and death. Job, one of Job's comforters, had it right when he said that the, the words would be stood over and decreed and declared and would come to pass. Jesus talked about the power of our words. Speech, we see the importance of speech. Romans 10 and verse 9 reads thus. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Well, that's interesting. So do you mean you actually have to say it with your mouth? There is some importance of that. It's important. Does it mean if you don't say it with your mouth, you're not saved? I don't want to go so far as to say that. But there is power in making confession with your mouth. 
The very words I heard you say, it says in Numbers chapter something, you can go look it up, that I will do. See, some of you don't realize that you're the own prophet over your own life. My father-in-law, I loved him dearly. He's in heaven. He wouldn't mind me telling you this. And I know Pastor Karen doesn't mind either. But when I met him all those years ago, the same night I met Karen, which we won't talk about, all those years after, I would regularly hear him say, I'm going to die by the time I'm 60. I will die by the time I'm 60. And we would say, hey, stop that. Stop saying, guess what? 60, straight up, 60 years old, he died. He cursed himself, and, and he would want me to tell you, he's in heaven, amen. He repented, he was right with God. He went swift. The angel came, or Jesus came, or something came and swooped him out of the room. We were there. I, 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 got, I got to tell you for a second. Some of you don't really believe in, in, in heaven or don't believe in hell. I, I've seen enough people die. I've seen people curse God on their, on their deathbed, and it's like darkness moves into the room, and then they're gone, and you know they're gone, and you don't feel good about it. I didn't see any demons necessarily. I felt the presence and the power of God when your dad went to heaven. And I've been in rooms and heard stories. One lady has her whole family around her. She's in a coma. Everybody's around her praying, all the kids, all the grandkids. Everybody's praying. She's failing. She's failing. Any minute now, she sits straight up in bed and says, Okay, Johnny, here's what you need to do. Talks to the head of the family, oldest son, goes right down the line, blesses all the grandkids, goes to everybody. As soon as she's done, she's all, Oh, Jesus is here for me. I'll see you later. <laughs> Lies down and she's dead. Ooh. If you're not saved tonight, <laughs> we're going to help remedy that by the end. Their speech is important. Your speech is important. By the word of your child. What has God done for you? Well, I don't know. Well, very good. You're just laying, laying aside one of your weapons. The word, your word, the word of your testimony, the word of God is a weapon. We're moving on. Hebrews chapter 4. We're in Roman numeral 3 now. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil, how did he answer the devil? By the way, the devil used the word himself. How did Jesus, how did Jesus use, uh, defeat the devil? He used the word. The enemy would twist scripture and Jesus would answer with a word. He, in fact, he was quoting the Old Testament. Over and over and over again, aren't you hungry? If you be the Son of God. I, that, that's a whole other man. If you be. Constantly says, if you're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God. Constantly questioning his identity. I'll tell you, the enemy will do the same thing to you. Constantly. If you're saved. If you love God. If, if, if. On and on and on. He constantly does that. It's one of his tactics. Is if, you know, if you're the Son of God, you're hungry, aren't you? You had not eaten for 40 days. Cause these stones to be turned into bread. And Jesus defeats him with the word. He challenges him on his, his self-preservation. The word is truth. Come on, someone say the word is truth. The word is truth and it exposes a lie. We talked recently about strongholds. A stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's contrary to truth. 
Let me say it again. A stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's contrary to the Word of God, that's impregnated with hopelessness. So if you think of yourself as a loser, and you're, and you're born again, you love Jesus, but you just can't get away from the fact of what a loser you are. You are being lied to. You will not find anything in Scripture that says that you're a loser. You won't find anything in Scripture that says you ugly. Beauty is skin deep. Ugly goes to the bone. You won't find anything that talks about someone who's born again, who's washed in the blood. You won't find one negative thing. You, you are really people who are washed, cleansed, a holy priesthood, a, ro- a royal priesthood, a holy nation. All kinds of wonderful things the Word of God says about you. And the Word of God is true. And, and it exposes a lie. How many of you know if God says that you're, that you're beautifully and wonderfully made, that you're knit together in your mother's womb? Now God doesn't make junk. So if you're knit together by the hand of God in your mother's womb, then no matter what somebody told about to you that you were a mistake, they were wrong. If they told you that you're no good, you're, you're wrong. And there's people have, people have names all over them, rejection and all kinds of stuff that the enemy put upon them. You need to tear those lies down and believe the truth. And the word is power released. Everybody say the word's power released. God created the world with a word. Let there be, you still have it today. He spoke and said, what did he do? He spoke and said, let there be light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He did it all by his word. Not you though, he made you with his own hands and breathed the breath of life into you. Mark eleven twenty two. Turn there, if you will. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says are done, he'll have whatever he Uh, Does your Bible say the same thing? He'll have whatever he he says. New International Version, please. Whoever says to the mountain. So you can speak to mountains? Is that right, Pastor Vince? Yes, Yes, you can. Speak to the mountain. To the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Boom. Somebody say, speak to the mountain. Jesus would speak to lepers, they'd be cleansed. He'd speak to uh, to eyesight, they'd come back. He'd speak to the deaf and they would get their, thou foul, deaf and dumb spirit. It would go. He would speak to the dead, Lazarus, wake up. Speak to the mountain, to the mountain, speak to the mountain. Some of you are going to catch it tonight. Some of you are going to get a hold of it tonight. You need to open your mouth and speak the truth. You need to speak to your mountains, speak to your sickness, speak to your disease. Some of you need to speak to the impossibility that's even in your heart. I'm telling you, if you'll learn to wake up in the morning and say, Hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. He's going to order my steps today. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the lender, not the borrower. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in, blessed going out. I'm blessed. 
blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm blessed. Some of you don't do that. Some of you wake up and be like, for the love of God. Another day. Miserable. And you continually perpetuate that with the lies that are coming out of your mouth. To the mountain. To the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Dare we take the step of faith tonight? Speak to the mountain. To the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Some of you need to speak to some stuff. Listen, I rebuke myself. Sometimes, maybe I should do it more often. I've talked to my flesh before. Hey, David did it. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put Shut up. Put your hope in God. Quit belly aching and moaning. Speak to the mountain. To the mountain. Speak to the mountain. The word is power release. Sickness, go. Come on, say it. Sickness, go. Disease, go. Many years ago, I was called to the emergency room, the uh, ICU. It was a football injury and a um, very talented Samoan boy, high school kid. I think he was 17 or 18. He was a tremendous football player. And somehow, you know, he put his head down and it went wrong and, and he was paralyzed and he was in a coma. And he'd been, in a, he's, he'd been paralyzed and in a coma for about three days, as I remember it. And I got a call, of, you know, they called the church and said, would you please send somebody down to, to, uh, to pray for him? And so I'm just telling you what I did, all right? I, uh, I got a boom box, you know. We didn't have MP3s or nothing as back in the day. Come on, some of you used to be like, what? Come on, Pastor Van. I had a bad JVC. <laughs> anyway, I took, I, took a little, I took a little boom box, and I went down, and I took my favorite Benny Hinn healing worship CD with me. And I walked in. I, I, I think back, I thought, man, what? Man, that's some guts. And I had, I had my Bible under one arm. I had my CD and my CD player. And I just walked right up to ICU. And, I, you know, I pressed the button. Yeah, I said, yes, uh, Daniel Bracken here to pray for so-and-so. And they said, uh, okay. And I walked in. And they, they looked me up and down like, dude's got a radio. <laughs> and the whole family's there. And I walked in. And I don't know. I was, cra- I was crazy on fire. Full of- I'm still like that. But I... I I, I, you know, I, I might have been a little bit more crazy. Not as dignified, maybe, back then. And I, sa- I said, I'm here to pray for your son. God's going to do a miracle. And they're like, oh. They, they were so, you know, Polynesian, so filled with honor and respect. And I plugged my little radio in. And I play, and you know, oh, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Come on, people. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. All right. Any hint. And I'm just, I just worship. I was praying. I was praying in tongues all the way over there. I get there. I put the CD on, and I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping. And then, man, I just feel the fire. I felt the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I stand up on a chair, 
And I close the door to the ICU room. How I many of you know these little sliding doors? And I close the door. And I stood up and I just said, you're going to live. You're going to get up. You're going to pray. I just went crazy until my voice blew out. <laughs> Says the Lord in Jesus' name. I'm sweating. Family's like, ah. Oh. Do you know what happened? <laughs> oh, yeah, the nurses looking in. It was too loud, you know. I got off the chair, and they said, you know, it's really loud. I said, I'm done. I said, oh, okay. Do you know what happened? Three days later, he got up. Oh, oh, while I was there, while I was there, tears. They say he couldn't hear. He's in a coma. He's weeping, tears running down his face. I led him to Jesus, even though he couldn't answer. I left three days later. The kid got up, and he's totally 100% healed and whole. Now, he didn't pop up. You know, I mean, he didn't pop up in the hospital and be like, <sighs> he didn't do that. How many of you, Polynesia? He didn't do that. I mean, he took some time to recover, but he, but he was healed and whole, and he went back to school and became a tremendous football player. And I understand years later, I saw him, that he's on fire, and he, and he loves Jesus, and he preaches the gospel. He shares his testimony. You see, by me doing what I just did, release faith. It does something when you testify of what God can do. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, whoa. The word of God's testimony against Satan is really what it is. And it's a powerful thing. Come on, somebody say, speak to the mountain. To the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Romans 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. The power of God. The gospel. Dr. Morocco, our senior pastor over the worldwide ministry of Casey. He's my pastor. He's a great man. He, he preaches a message. It's called one of his life messages. It's called Binding and Loosing. I've preached it here before. I probably should preach it again real soon. Part of binding and loosing, talking about taking authority over demon power and darkness, is, is proclaiming. To proclaim, which means to open your mouth and speak, but it's more than that, proclaiming the gospel. I will tell you, when I learned this, I, I immediately put it in my arsenal. I put it in my, my, my tool bag of victory that when I face darkness, when I'm facing formidable odds and I'm feeling like I want to shrink back or I've got fear or I enter into a place where there's real heaviness, I've done this in hotels, I've done it outside, and, and I do it every time the Holy Spirit brings it to mind. I preach the gospel. I'm telling you, there doesn't have to be one person there. Not one. Because I know that I'm preaching the truth of God's word to creation and even demons know that, they, that I know that they're subject to me in Jesus' name. I, I'll walk into a, a, a... Listen, some of you need to do this in your house. You feel strife in your house. You feel darkness in your house. Walk into the house and say, Thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross for my sin and for the sins of the world and all who believe on you. Thank you that you rose again from the grave. I decree that you are the resurrected Lord and devil has no power, has no authority here. I proclaim the good news of Jesus and salvation to everyone that believes. Amen. That releases power. And I can tell you story after story after story. 
about how people got healed just by somebody sharing the good news of Jesus with them. The prophetic word. We just had a prophetic conference. Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. See, a true prophetic word's testified of Jesus and his power and in fact release it. Come on, somebody say amen. 1 Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Do what? Fight the good fight. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. The prophetic word spoken over you is a weapon. Your testimony spoken is a weapon. The word of God spoken is a weapon. You know, you can share the gospel in your own words or you can share for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. I will just tell you right now that that has more power than me just saying Jesus died on a cross and he loves you. Although that's powerful and it's true, I just believe in sharing scripture because it's sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. All right. Your personal testimony. Your personal testimony will break the back of the enemy. I love sharing my testimony. I have one of those really crazy, intense testimonies. And I enjoy using it. I don't have time to share the whole thing with you tonight. But God brought me out of a, a, a place that was very dark with my own choosing, choices that I make. I wound up in a place that was beyond hope. In the natural. But God reached across the muck and the miry clay and he snatched me out. You rem remembering what God has done builds faith. Rem remember where you used to be. Look, you might have a hard time tonight. Maybe you're going through some financial thing tonight. Maybe you're facing some physical problem or sickness or infirmity. But just think about where you used to be. Is there anyone besides me? This is way better than what it used to be. Come on, his way. Remember what he did. Remember how he saved you. Remember how you were driving and, and you had a car crash, but you didn't die and you walked away. Remember, remember that staph infection maybe you had, but God healed you. Remember that, that, that cold that turned into pneumonia maybe, but, but you came out of it. Remember how he brought you through and came through in 1159. He's an on-time God. How He spared your marriage, maybe, or how He healed you. Come on, you've got a pulse tonight. If you have a pulse tonight, you've got a testimony. And remembering what God has done builds and releases faith. And every time you share it, it releases faith to those that hear. You're a megaphone. Come on, someone say, I'm a megaphone. We were, uh, we were in a class recently, a firearms class, my wife and I, and they had to use megaphones because gunshots are loud. Plus, you got hearing protection on. And so they used a megaphone. Do you know that you are God's megaphone to proclaim and declare, to testify the goodness of God in the land of living? Do you know that angels can't share the good news? That nothing in all of creation, my dog can't preach. As much as my dog thinks that she can, she cannot preach. Angels can't preach. 
Creation speaks by, it, by its qualities. And I mean, you look at a flower, you realize there's a creator. But only human beings have been entrusted with the glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it can only be shared by you and me. You're God's method. You're God's megaphone. Come on, someone say, I'm, I'm God's method. A megaphone to declare His goodness. And your testimony condemns the enemy in the court of law. It's interesting that he uses the word testimony. You know, when you, when you share what God's done for you, it's just like another, I was going to say another nail in the coffin, but the truth is he's already defeated. You see, we're, our, our testimony helps us to overcome, but he's already defeated by the blood. So you're fighting from a place Come on, it's like, I used to wrestle. I wrestled in, in elementary school, middle school, high school, and I wrestled a little bit in college. You know, wrestling, Ro Greco-Roman wrestle. And I would love, yeah, she's probably thinking about the singlet. You don't want to think about that too long. We all thought it was funny, too. Hated getting in the uniform. One of the things I loved about wrestling, anybody wrestle here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I won't tell you one of the great moments of wrestling. I mean, you just, you lost weight, you're ready, you're stretched, you're, look, you're looking at the guy that's going to come out, and you're sizing him up. You're going, mm, you're looking at his muscle tone, looking at how he moves. You're thinking, I'm going to smoke him. He's finished. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're sizing him up. And other times you're like, dude looks big and strong and fast. Jesus help me, right? But I'll never forget, even big and strong and fast guys looking, you could tell everything from the handshake. The handshake. And we had an expression for somebody who had no guts. When they shook a hand, it was a fish. It was called a fish. And we, we'd say, they go ahead, shake hands. He'd be all, when you shook hands right here, you knew everything. And if it was like applesauce, you're like, you're dead. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's, listen, you don't know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. That's the way it is with the enemy. You have to realize that he's a lion. Yes, but he's toothless to those who are under the blood. You have to realize, yes, he's mean, he's ugly, he knows the word, he's the accuser, but he's a fish. He's defeated because of what Jesus has done. And you stand in the place knowing that you can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Come on, somebody say hallelujah trying to help you tonight. All right, how do we overcome by the word of our testimony? I think the first thing is this. Read, know, and memorize the word of God. Read, know, memorize the word. Read it. Read it every day. Read the word of God every day. Read a chapter a day. Some of you like don't know where to start. Just read, you know, today is 20, what is today? 20 what? 23rd. Read the 23rd Psalm. Read 23rd Proverbs. Get some wisdom. You can read through the New Testament. There's all kinds of Bible apps that you can get. version is a great one. Read the New Testament in 90 days. There's a whole Bible plan for We got somebody in the church that's reading the whole Bible in, in 90 days. That's hustling. Read the Word. Everybody say, read the Word. Read the, word. the second thing is know it. And I, I, I like biblically 
Be intimate with the Word of God. Know how to rightly divide the Word. Know how to study the Word. Know, how to, know what the Word of God says. You say, well, how do I do that? you got to get in a small group. you got to get discipled. you gotta, you got to grow. Come on, some of you athletes, duh. You had to train. Come on, if you want to you learn a language, you're going to have to learn a language. I mean, you got to learn new words, and the same thing is true in your walk with God. Many people don't get discipled. They come, they have an experience at an altar maybe, they believe Jesus and repent, and, and he comes and he touches them, and they, they get saved. But then they, they don't become part of the, of the family of God, or they don't grow in the Word. And they have no idea who they really are. They just had this experience where they know that God touched them. But they're on bar stools tonight. They're on bar stools tonight because they never got healed of when their dad rejected them. They never got healed of the different things that happened in their family or siblings or that first date. They never got healed of different things that took place. They're filled with anger and rage and unforgiveness and bitterness and don't know how to process that. They don't know who they are and they don't know who God is. You know what the Lord spoke to me years ago when he said this? Who I am and who you are in me changes everything. And I thought, well, that's pretty profound. You've got to know your identity in Christ. Because some of you think you're the sum total of your experiences, your money, your lack of money, or lack of experience, your education, or lack of education, the clothes that you wear, or the things that you've been through, or where you've come from. I don't care what strata of life you came out of. We're all on an even playing field when it comes to the kingdom. And, and Jesus invites you to come to be his son and to be his daughter, and he makes you royalty. You might have come from a slum or a long line of prostitutes and pimps. It does not matter where you came from. What matters is who you know. Receiving Jesus and believing on him and having your sin and applying the blood to your bloodlines and walking as a new creation and renewing your mind. Well, hallelujah. Everybody say, read. Know. Memorize the word. I've hidden your word in my heart, Psalm 119, that I might not sin against thee. I think the only word that you really know is that which you've memorized. I'm into memorizing the word. There's been times where I've really been more diligent at it than I am right now. But you can get victory with Jesus wept. You can just memorize that. Jesus wept, try it. Jesus, shortest verse in all of scripture. You can beat the snot out of the devil with Jesus wept. Oh yeah. Read, no. Memorize the word. Watch this. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaf sh shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which are driven, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Listen, if you know the word, you read the word, you know the word, you memorize the word, and you speak it, then you will prosper in everything you do. You've got to get the word of God on every area of your life. Some of you have an anger problem. 
Well, you need to memorize some scriptures on anger. Some of you have a lust problem. Well, you need to get some script and get prayer. Get Memorize some scriptures on how lust is evil and how it'll destroy your life. And get some prayer and break that thing and set your life up. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. I'm going to tell you something. It's worth it. Living for God with all your heart, with all your mind and soul and strength, the reward is far beyond anything that you'll get from some sin or some one-night thing or something that you could do in the dark. Some instant gratification serving God with all your heart is the greatest reward that you can ever have. And you'll feel it. You'll feel it and you'll know it. I've told the story many times of freezing in the church truck about eight and nine years ago. I was really scared, thought I was going to freeze. I began to speak the word, began to testify of what God told me and what the word of God said and everything. I got warm. And then a state trooper showed up and gave me a candy bar. From my mother. It's a long story, but it's true. Dr. Yonggi Cho was the pastor of the largest church in the world. He's passed it over now to a team and different ones. He was planting, trying to plant churches in Japan, and he went to Japan, less than 1% Christians in Japan. And uh, he went there, and the devil showed up. This is his testimony that the devil showed up in his room. Listen, I don't know if you've ever had, like, evil, been around evil and been afraid of that. That was probably some lowly, demoted demon. The devil's a different story. He says the devil showed up in his room. And so the devil shows up and says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to give you a heart attack, and you're going to die because you're not bringing the gospel. You're not bringing the gospel to Japan. And he begins to have a heart attack on the spot. He prays in tongues, he binds, he looses, he does everything he knows, and he's on his knees, and he feels like he's dying. And then all he could do is speak scripture. And as he's speaking scripture, the devil left, and his heart leveled out, and he got healed. Speaking the word. At the entrance of your word, there's light. Oh, so much. Come on, someone say, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. I've told the story before, but it's fun, and I'm, I'm closing here in a moment. A uh, young missionary goes down to South America, and he's uh, supported by his um, grandfather. His rest of the family's passed away. His grandfather raised him. And um, so he goes down to, let's say, Nicaragua, and he finds a beautiful a uh, parrot that speaks in three different languages, very expensive. He wanted to bless his grandfather, so goes through customs, the whole thing, and sends it up to his grandfather for the holidays. And so he's, you know, he's able to get through during the holidays to talk to his grandfather. And when he talks to his grandfather, he says, Grandfather, did you, did you, did you like the, the bird I sent you? He said, oh, it was delicious. He said, you ate it? He said, yeah, I ate it. Of course I ate it. What do you mean? He says, it spoke three languages. He said, well, it should have said something. <laughs> decree a thing, Job. Decree a thing, it shall be established. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. 
Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.